Welcome back, friend. Remember when I kicked off the Worthy and Well Paid series by recommending two books? One of them, We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. If you missed that introductory episode, it's the one that's called 2022, the year that you feel worthy and well paid or something like that. Today, I have two incredible guests, friends of mine, wonderful business owners who are joining me to discuss this book. We share what we were empowered by through reading the book. We talk about our own relationship with money and what was sparked in us through the book and, you know, where we maybe have criticisms or differing thoughts around some of its content. It's an interesting conversation for sure. Aislinn Grant is the founder of Grant Design, a local to Calgary branding agency. And Alexandra Daigneau is the founder of Sargessa, a tea company. Both uh, businesses are incredible and growing, and their founders are such a delight to be friends with. I can't wait to introduce you to both of them. Aislinn and I co-founded a group called Play Big and Jam, also known as PB&J, which is a group that is here to meet on a weekly basis to inspire women to play bigger. Alexandra was one of the OG members of that group and has offered so many amazing contributions to the collective. And together, we love getting in these conversations and discussions about women in business, especially how we can help each other rise. So today, they're the special guests. We're digging into the book, We Should All Be Millionaires, and you're bound to get some great insight through hearing the perspectives of these two wise, incredible women. All right, here they are. Enjoy the episode. Alexandra Aislinn, thank you so much for joining me in person to record this conversation about the book, We Should All Be Millionaires. How are you feeling today, Ace? I'm feeling great. I'm so jazzed to talk about this. This is my favorite subject. I love it. How about you, Alexandra? I'm so excited. After we talked about the book in um, our Play Big and Jam group, I just had so much more to say. So, <laughs> do you want to start us off? Uh, no, you want to start. Okay, I totally trust that your big brain wisdom will come out as we get jamming. So we each read the book, We Shall Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers. I mentioned it in the first episode of this series around being worthy and well-paid. And I think I shared there that that it's created some discussion. And I just thought, what better way to, I don't know, amplify that discussion by having the two of you on to join me. And I guess I kind of want to open it up by asking just like generally when you read the book, what maybe one piece really stood out to you as empowering Aislinn? Hmm. I think one piece was just like how low the bar has been to feel successful. You know what I mean? Like, I think one thing that she raised in me was like expectations in general for what we can get out of our business and life. And I think like for me, I remember when I, I made my first 60 K in business, I was like, oh my God, I am such a winner. Like this is <laughs> I have done, I can stop now. Like I can pack it in. I, I've killed it. Yeah. And so every year that obviously that bar gets raised, but listening to this book has raised it like times 10. Like it's kind of just expedited my expectations. In terms of revenue that you want to bring into your business? In terms of revenue and in terms of like, what's not worth my time. Mm, what have you learned isn't worth your time? Um, projects where I'm taking it on for very little money um, in service of that other person. Mm. Um, which like I've done a lot in the past because I'm super passionate about people's businesses and I get really excited about their ideas. And then I just want to help them in whatever way I can. And I think there's a, there's a route for that for me. Like there's some kind of funnel that I can, I can push that energy into, but not all the time. Right. So it sounds like there has been in the past some self-sacrificing. Oh, so much. Business sacrificing yeah. in order to like people please. Yes. Which I think is you know, something that many women entrepreneurs deal with at some point along their journey. Um, but yeah, I mean, 60K is nothing to not celebrate. Yeah. And the double negative there, like making your first 60K in business is a massive deal. And what I'm hearing you say is that Rachel, the author of this book, is kind of like, no, being a millionaire should be the goal. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. you found that empowering. I did. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Yeah. 
found it interesting though that she doesn't seem to take it from the like you should just be a millionaire just because like I what I loved was the statistics piece like you should be a millionaire because we are pushing for equitable relationships and like on part pay and like things like that when it's like I forget exactly what her statistic was about the number of women who hit six figures and the number of women who hit seven and like why that is so important when we think about creating generational wealth and like also feminist structures within the world. Yeah. And it's how so much of that is like still capital dependent. Um, I found that really interesting because I think I forget sometimes that it wasn't that long ago where women needed their husbands or their fathers or their men in their life to sign for credit cards or like, you know, open a bank account or like have that sort of income mm-hmm. um, and be able to use tools to build businesses. So it's yeah. like we've come a long way, but we still have to pursue like the next level. Yeah. And and I think that kind of comes back to like raising our expectations yeah. of what we can get out of this. Because even like, I, I can't remember the stat either, but that really hit me when it was like, you know, whatever percentage of female owned businesses um, make more than 60K, I think it was, or some some kind of like- 50K. 50K, that's right. It was, it was a really low statistic. So- and then when I started thinking back about all the people I've worked with and how like they kind of, they do all the hard work, the grunt work, which is kind of like zero to 50. Like yeah. that's the hardest kind of, I mean, I'm sh- it's always hard, but that's like the real leg work. And then we kind of just stay there. A lot of businesses, a lot of female owned businesses, because we kind of are just okay with getting to that level. Um, and then it's interesting because I had a meeting, um, couple days ago with this um awesome gentleman who has a pr he's a pr uh freelancer and we were talking about the agencies we know in our world and how so there and i realized in that moment that there's so many female freelancers um and there's so many people in my industry that are female but there's not a lot of female agency owners Mm. um and in pr there is but in branding there's there's not so many and i realized it's because like we, we we kind of you know, we don't, we, we can't always get to that next level because of how we're socialized and our access to things and equity in general. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's what this book is kind of turning for me. Yeah. And also thank you, Aislinn, for like owning Grant Design and hiring people, other women and creating like more jobs and growing a business as a female, you know, to your point, if there aren't that many female owned agencies, like you're someone who's doing that and can be a model for other people. So I think that's really empowering and inspiring when when we like raise the bar for ourselves and we allow in more wealth and more income, we also stand as like a model for what's possible for other females, other business owners, or, you know, people who are not white men, like other non-binary or, or queer BIPOC women, people of marginalized identities, uh, when they see themselves represented making money, I think it's sometimes, uh, an encouragement that they can do that too. So you're doing that already. And Alexandra, I wanted to circle back to your point about the liking the part of the book where it's like, we should all be millionaires to create more equitable structures and to, you know, like help to create different systems, basically, is what I heard from you say saying there. And I feel like for me, the that permission, permission, I don't know if that's the right word, but the mindset shift around like creating wealth for myself by way of my business and of course for other people as a pathway towards better equity and more systems that aren't so oppressive that was really important to me because i think in the past i've sacrificed self and sacrificed revenue in business as in an effort to create equity but then i'd end up like shooting myself in the foot and feeling disempowered myself or not using my gifts or shining my light. And so um, it was really useful to hear. Yeah, I think when you center like the why, we talk about this at my like day job at the foundation, the Trico Foundation, a lot is like when you know your why, um, it becomes easier to kind of like make those decisions and move forward in the way that you want to because it's all connected to like the bigger purpose. Um, And I also think that she... Like she says that it's enough to just like want money because you want to have like a better life for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that sometimes we get tricked into thinking that you either love money or you don't. 
And like, you can either like do social good or you can just have money. And yeah. that is not kind of how I see the world. It didn't seem really how she saw the world. And I, it was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Also to read like a book about making money by a woman of color. Totally. Was like great. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. I recommended the book to my brother, my eldest brother, who is a white man country singer. And I was like, Blake, you need to read this book. Um, I just I just called him out. I hope he doesn't mind. And he was like, and I loved this. He was like, you know what, Casey, I'm kind of tired of reading books about money from other white men. And he, the whole time he was reading the book or listening to it, I think he had it on Audible. He was sending me texts about different things that were like empowering to him and inspiring to him. And and he's an artist, a singer, and I think has a lot of the values of equity and standing for goodness and truth. And I I kind of loved that. And and sort of proud of him for that openness too. Mm-hmm. But I just think we can learn so much from people who have different lived experiences. And and that was a really potent part of that was who, you know, who Rachel is as a person and being the messenger is part of the the power in the book. I definitely think that to be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's interesting because there's a lot in the book that's very inspiring and raising expectations. And then there's a few pieces where it really kind of like I've really had to cipher through um, and based on discussions with Alexandra, like what what do I actually believe and like what what do I disagree with in the book? Yeah. And like one of the things that I was reading, um, I think a couple of days ago was or she was talking about how um, like up leveling your like million dollar decisions. And she kind of talks about how like. You know, you 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 need a nicer, better outfit to like feel like a, a millionaire. Like you get it. Like you need a nicer, better couch or whatever. Like you get it. And I kind of have like some. Sometimes I, it's very like it feels very indulgent for me to think that way. Yeah. But I also wonder how much is like as women we're socialized that we like need to look a certain way to be successful. And so some of me feels like that plays into that narrative a little bit in a negative way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, say more about that, Alexandra. So I think that um, there's a lot of really good points in the book, but I think that also you have to pick and choose like what's going to work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to work for me to have a personal chef in my house like that. It, I just, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes me feel kind of like not, not right. And it's not that I think people who have like personal chefs are like not doing it right. It's just, it's not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I like to cook my own food. You're you're there baking bread at 11 p.m. I know. After stuffing tea bags after a full time job. Yeah, it's like it's it's a way I have of relaxing. What I found really like kind of difficult with her her work is that she seems to posit that you make your money first and you give back later. There are ways of embedding your social model so deeply within your business model that they're not separated, separable so that you can like build an amazing business that's having social impact. Um, and like it, they're not so distinct and separate. Yeah. Your social good can be just as much part of your business, whether it's like through outcomes or like intentional, like I'm going to build a social enterprise. Can you share a little more about that? Like how might that look or how would you... If if you were offering advice to Rachel Rogers, ooh, yeah. stand in your power, my dear. <laughs> how would you build social impact into your business rather than creating the wealth first and then donating after? Okay, so I don't give advice to anybody ever because why <laughs> would do. you want to like lead somebody down the wrong road? I think that they have to like figure out their why. Um, and then make decisions for themselves. Happy to share parts of my journey with them, but not, you know, kind of tell them anything that might take them down the wrong path. But what I did like about this book is that it encouraged people and gave permission to like ask for more. Yeah. And like be more, um, you know, cognizant of like all the options that are available to Mm -hmm. you and that you can reach these things. And like, this is kind of, how she would do it maybe it's not right for everybody right but yeah i thought it was great i also thought the tone was really good yeah me too yeah yeah it was funny i'm like i'm laughing and i feel like i'm getting a loving kick in the ass but in a way that's like compassionate and i could tell that 
I could tell where her heart was at in it. Like, like anything that felt like very blunt and clear. And I mean, I'm a truth teller type of person too. She did it in a way that was like, Ooh, this is lifting me up. It's elevating my consciousness. It's empowering me. It's not, um, putting me down, you know? And Mm -hmm. I felt like that tone was really useful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she talked about hard things. Like she talked about getting expert advice when you're making business decisions so that you don't like get yourself into trouble. And then kind of like from her own experience, the things that had happened to her when she didn't take expert advice. Yes, exactly. Which was so like, we don't talk about those things enough in business. I think, I think we like really talk about, you know, be collaborative, be like all of these things in community, but there are no clear steps on like, you know, Maybe you need an NDA. Maybe you need to go see a lawyer. Maybe you need to build like systems to create healthy um, collaborations. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was interesting, like how she talked about um, her failed kind of business partnership. And I think, you know, all of us are part of this group called Play Big and Jam, where we encourage each other to play bigger. And I think part of playing bigger is doing your due diligence and also um, calling things out when you know, they're not working. And she talks about how she did, you know, 80% of the work for 50% of the pay, or I can't remember what it was, but she was just talking about how she was in kind of a bad partnership. Um, And I think that like playing bigger and uh, that idea is really just us having boundaries, sticking up for ourselves, saying something, not being people pleasing. And I think all of those are, are, are big lessons. Right. And like, I love the way she, she tackled those things. The other thing she talked about, which was like, I felt very conflicted about was pricing and yeah. pricing for value because who decides, um, like everybody's just like, I am going to charge more because my time is of this value. Mm-hmm. But the thing I wish she talked more about is like customer value and how you link it like directly to results. Yeah. Um, she goes into it a little bit where she talks, I forget what example she uses, but for this, I'll use an ad. Say somebody is drafting an ad for my website and I'm going to pay them based off of value. I need metrics to kind of see how many clicks this will generate. Like what, what are the results that I should anticipate from this to justify paying a higher price? Mm -hmm. I find that often the idea of pricing for value, people just like, it's not that they have inflated ideas about their value, but they're not articulating very clearly like what the customer can expect from things like design, copy, stuff like that. Yeah. And that's part of the sales process, right? That's a sales skill is, is, you know, to offer someone the right offer for the right person at the right time at the right price point. And like, there's so many nuances to the factors that contribute to those elements. But in the sales process, the whole point of that is to, I think, coach your customer or client through the value so that it aligns like right. so that the price that you're charging aligns with the value the their perceived value i would say but it's our job as business owners to help our clients understand that process and i think metrics matters and in like what i do where uh, there's a lot of like i would say more qualitative transformation and i'm also going to call bullshit on myself there too because like deep inner transformation does create very like tangible results as well and could be connected back to say making more money but that's not the only result and so i think it's our job as as business owners to help our clients see value and and also like alignment like yeah pricing is about alignment i think about embodiment in the nervous system like i could coach you Aislinn to double your prices. But if you asking for that money kicks your nervous system into fight flight, you're not going to be in your leadership. And that customer is probably not going to say yes to you. Yeah. You know, like it has to also feel um, safe enough. (laughs) You know, there are so many different factors that play into it. And I think we do matter in our pricing and how we, how we price that does have something to do with us. We determine the price, but it is the customer that determines the value. Right. And I think that, like, I wish people could see this because I'm, like, frantically nodding. <laughs> Just, like, bobbling up and down. Um, but I think that that sales piece is another piece that women don't always get. Like, I did um, the same, a posting for the same position with the T. One was marketing. One was sales. Exact same description. 90% of the applicants for the sales one were men. And, yeah. like, 90% of the ones for the marketing was women. 
And so we get into these, like exactly what we're saying about agencies and like not yeah. having like female founded or owned agencies. It's the same with like tea manufacturing, like tiny tea brands run by women. But like, I, I think there are maybe two other women manufacturers I know yeah. in the space. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like, I read the stat the other day and um, I hope I'm saying it right, but um, men will apply for a role um, if they have 33% of the qualifications and women will only apply to the same role if they have 100% of the qualifications. And so I remember once I was hiring for a role and I had the job description and I just so happened to be in a co-working space where my next desk neighbor was an HR um, professional and she ran my listing through this kind of software that she uses. It's like an equity software hmm. and it flags words um, that you should change if you are trying to target women equally. Wow. Um, and the words were expert, um, like expert in Adobe Illustrator. Don't use the word expert. Women will not apply. What? Yes. Yeah, oh, that breaks my heart. Yeah. And so I had to redo the job listing. Um, and I did find that once I redid it with like, I, I don't know another word other than to say um, softer, like softer language that wasn't as confident, more women applied. Oh, I kind of hate that. I know. I kind of like really hate that, you know, but it's also it's it's the system, right? Like it, it's the systemic factors that kind of tie into that. I think it's also in how we imagine jobs to be. Like I went to a Waldorf school. I like have a lot of creative background with like art and things. And I think most people thought that I would be like in arts, but I find that my creativity is like on high when I am doing business development, when I'm doing sales, when I'm manufacturing, like we don't look at roles yeah. um, as like interesting and fun and like those sorts of things where we can apply those same skills that often like women are told they're so creative oh that's such a good point like um i mean i run this embodied leader sales intensive program which is helping women business owners learn sales skills so that they can serve more people and make more income and impact and all of those things and it just amazes me how like the word sales makes women cringe, makes a lot of people cringe. And I get it. Like I get the the sleazy salesperson ideologies. And then something shifts and I can literally see it on their faces and in their bodies when they realize, and lots of them are like coaches, consultants, guides, practitioners, when they realize how much the sales process adds value and how much their intuition and reflective listening and genuine capacity to connect is their superpower. It's like, do you realize how you can apply these skills that you use that make you an amazing, let's say, dietitian or coach or consultant? in the sales process to make you bank, you know, mm -hmm. you deserve that. Right. Right. Yeah. And even within corporate, like totally. having those skills, I think is really valuable. Mm -hmm. I mean, like none of us, I'm appreciating none of us are in corporate. So yeah. like this might be like me speaking with a perspective that I don't actually have. Um, but I feel like those things are valuable. And that like, you know, if we change the way we, we frame roles, maybe more people will see themselves fitting in. Yeah, really. Yeah. And again, I think modeling helps. Like the more we consume content from, you know, I, you could see it both ways. We, we're on, say, social media every day or reading books and it's so easy to be triggered into a state of like jealousy or I wish I wish I had what that person has, which puts us into this like lack constrictive place. But like what would change if you saw Maybe you were able to transform that jealousy into like, whoo, some of that for me, please. And like, what if I, what if they're just a, a wayfinder for me right now or an expansive model for what I can have too? Like no one person is that much smarter than the next person, right? Like yeah. we have these gifts that we mirror back to each other. And I feel like when I'm, when I'm even like triggered by someone who's like doing amazing things and I catch myself in it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's because I have that quality too. And it's maybe not expressed in me. So how can I lean into that part of myself? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that really, that really helps to help women see themselves in certain roles that maybe are predominantly um, occupied by men. Right. And if there's always somebody who's going to be further along doing more, doing better than you, you have to find ways of turning it into a generative experience because otherwise you're just going to be really depressed and disappointed all the time, even when you're hitting your milestones and goals. Totally. Yeah. And then you're not getting the fulfillment that you think that goal will bring. Right. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I think we have to 
encourage women to celebrate where they're at. You know, we talked, I started by saying like how I'm so, um, you know, uh, inspired by this idea of making more money and kind of like raising my expectations. But I also think that that's a result of me having, you know, encouragement along the way when my goals were small and I hit them. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's this uh, entrepreneurship competition that um, both Alexandra and I were a part of. And, um, you know, I, I've been in the judges panel a few times and some of the conversation has been around how scalable is that business actually, though? You know, and but a lot of women that enter the competition have um, consumer product good businesses. So it's not a tech idea that, you know, people in the judging panel were hoping they could be a part of that story of like, oh, if they had this crazy fictional, essentially, idea that could blow up and make many, many millions of dollars. Um, and like, th this is part of my experience all the time as a female entrepreneur. I had to say like, yeah, I was in this competition and I had a very small quote unquote idea. Um, and yeah, that failed, that idea failed, but now I'm giving back $15,000 to this competition every year. So like, what do we want to create? Do we want to create like 50 tech ideas that are the same? Or do we want to create like a healthy ecosystem that can lift each other up? You're giving me cheek tingles, <laughs> <laughs> the cheek truth tingles. You know, this makes me think about another book I'm reading. Uh, it's called Bad Blood, Lies and Secrets of the Silicon Valley Startup, I think is what it's called. It's about um, Elizabeth Holmes and like her experience with this, this tech company. Um, and like what she built, um, you guys can Google it. I'm not going to get into the details, but I think that we push really hard for like tech dreams, um, and like telling people to partner up fast and like get venture capital and those sorts of things without actually like, you know, looking at the readiness of a business and like, where do these entrepreneurs, especially women want to take it? Like yeah. if you have a consumer good product, yeah, there are so many examples right now of huge, huge companies brands yeah. that have been built by people who wanted to build something for themselves. And they're not tech. They're not unicorns. They're not seeing, well, they might be unicorns, just a different type of category. And I think that that is another thing, like this book, it's about hitting a million dollars. But what if it's about actually like achieving the full potential of whatever it is you want to have, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it for sure. Um, yeah, and it's interesting circling back to your piece about uh, being pushed into tech or talking about venture capital. I'm I'm just uh, wanting to kind of pull in the episode that was recorded with Michelle Pelazon, where she was raising VC money for holisticism, and we're we're not necessarily talking about the literal physical risk of women in business exploring the fundraising path. Because when I asked her in that episode, you know, like what made you ultimately not go along with the BC funding. She was like, well, I was assaulted by an investor, you know, and there was a lot more too, right? Like there was a lot more too. She wanted ownership of her company. She wanted to right. be in charge, but also like, fuck that shit. Yeah. You know, like we need to create more safety for women. And I think a trauma-informed approach to support women feeling literally physically safe to explore their big ideas and their dreams. And, and I guess I, maybe this is part of where my passion comes in around the intersection of healing and leadership. Like you can only lead as far as your trauma lets you. And for women, we're holding and carrying generations of trauma mm. that impacts how safe it is for us to follow our dreams, for us to like create the damn thing and ask for the money. And I think that's a really important piece too. Right. And I think that a lot of people don't understand how fundamentally it is important for there to be organizations that are 100% women owned and maybe just owned by one founder because it's like um we haven't had that those opportunities um in a long like a, a longitudinal way like over like a over an extended period of time in the same way that other like men have mm -hmm. and so owning your own company and like having control of those decisions as a woman is a powerful example to other women that this is allowed um, as opposed to giving away your power. Yeah, totally. Can we talk about the 10K in 10 days? Yeah, that's the yeah. book. Um, may I start, actually? Yeah. I Here's what I love about it. I think it sparks the entrepreneurial mindset for anyone, whether or not they're an entrepreneur. 
And I think that my favorite part about being an entrepreneur is the entrepreneurial mindset and the like innovative, creative way that we think. And for you listener, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're not, maybe you're considering it, you have a side hustle or you don't, you're in corporate and you're kind of like, oh, well, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not an entrepreneur. Bullshit. You know, like it applies to all of us in in creating wealth. My favorite part of that challenge is the creativity of it. Like, what are all the ways that I could create 10K? Mm-hmm. What are all the ways that I could solve a problem with my knowledge? You know, like I could, yeah, sure. I could throw some shit I don't need in my home on Kijiji and sell it. Or I could, you know, give up my car. Or I could help someone move from feeling stuck after a pivot into feeling clear on their next steps and create a coaching package. I could sell one $10,000 thing or two $5,000 things or $2,500 things. What would that look like? I feel like that's my favorite part of it is getting the creative spark going. And I think that applies to not just entrepreneurs, but uh, I'm curious what you thought about that challenge and what it kind of brought up for you. I think you have to do like to do the challenge. You actually have to know yourself and like what your gifts are really, really well. As well as like have an understanding of like what people will pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a hard time with it because like, you know, she talks about how it's not about like small amounts, like to go after like big accounts or something like that for like a set, set or short time period. And like um, I have a CPG brand. Um, and so we can do that with like our e-commerce or we can do that. Like there's a number of ways. But if I was only doing like wholesale to stores, some of those relationships take like longer than 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it's a really interesting thing. I did it, um, but it was mostly based off of like activating relationships that were like already like in the works and just like mm-hmm. speeding those up. Yeah. Um, I would really like the perspective of somebody who is like 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And like how mm-hmm. they would think through this because like I'd, I feel like the older you get, the easier this might be. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, there's something about that 16-year-old comment that just like, I don't know, there's something to that. I don't, I don't know what it is. It sounds very intriguing to get. I would love to hear what like, younger perspective. Yeah, a younger perspective is because like, you know, we are all of the same age. We all have businesses that are like, we have something that we could sell. Yes. I'm sure there's lots of 16-year-olds that also have things that they could sell. Um, and like services they offer and stuff like that. But I, I wonder um, how they would think through something like this and how they would feel encountering it. Mm. Um, yeah. And that mm. might be just something like, who is this book for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, it's not for everyone, right? Right. Like it shouldn't be for everyone. Yeah. And just like a brief comment, like I think even if, and she makes mention in the book that it's doesn't have to be literally taken as 10K, like find the number that is your stretch. Uh, whether that's 5K or $500 or 20K, you know? (laughs) And I think even if we open ourselves up to the practice, even without the money coming in, just the thinking around like, for example, yeah, you have a consumer product company, you know, and, and also you are one of the wisest entrepreneurs I've ever met. So when I think about a oh 10K. God, Casey, don't say that. <laughs> it's true. It's like, true. I support <laughs> that. I invite you to receive that oh, compliment. No, I like receive all of your compliments, but like uh, um, not the wisest. I make so many mistakes. I say one of the wisest. And that's why you're one of the wisest. You make so many mistakes, but you also have a perspective that often isn't brought into conventional circles. Yes. Yeah. Tear it up. Uh, this is true. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. And, and here's here's my point, Alexandra. You could create a consulting offer that's $10,000 that the right person would pay for. Have you, you know, like it doesn't have to just be in the ways that you're already creating tea. And whether or not we follow through with those things, just letting the ideas have a space. I think women stop themselves from even thinking about ideas because they don't know the how. Right. They can't figure out the exact pathway to get there. But it's like, no, literally, if you could create an offer for $10,000, what problem would you solve for people? What could you help people with? Whether or not you find the right person to step into that immediately, I think it's a brilliant exercise in just like letting the mind be bigger instead of stopping before you start. 
Exactly. And like, what would people pay $10,000 for? Like type of thinking. Yeah. Because I do agree with her that for a lot of people is life changing money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. I loved the accessibility of her numbers. Like, yeah, it's like that. Like she was really good at breaking it down to like accessible amounts that were like really impactful. So I think often there's like this push for like, it's that it's, a million dollars, but it's not broken down clearly into like the how you get there. Yeah. Um, and I think that she did a really good job with it in a way that didn't feel kind of like inauthentic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And my my learning from that challenge was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, like it, in a negative way. It taught me a, some large holes in my business. Ooh, say more. Like I had, so 10K, I was like, well, that's not fair because I already have 10K of invoices. Like, out in the world yeah. that I'm like waiting to collect. So, and I was like, okay, 20K then. Yeah. yeah. So then I said, okay, 20K. And I was like, that's, that's pretty doable. Um, and it didn't hit my goal because I spent that time chasing people for overdue invoices and doing things in my office, like walking to the office and being like, oh God, our floor is so dirty. And then I swept and like mopped the floor. And then I was like, oh, we're out of, you know, uh, almond milk for the, for the, coffee station I'm like oh I'll go get some almond milk and then I did you know all this other work and I had all these like tasks that I that I didn't follow up on that I was procrastinating on that I was, had to do and then blah 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 thing 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 and then at the end of it I was like holy crap this is going like right back to what Rachel says in the book which is hire a VA for <laughs> five hours and like all of that could have been done by someone else and I could have run a workshop teaching women how to um design their own website which is something that i've wanted to do for a long time like over a weekend and made twenty thousand dollars yeah and also what great wisdom right like you did the challenge and you quote failed at the challenge but also did you fail no you got this like amazing wisdom so when are you hiring the va yeah great great question haven't taken any steps towards that but it's it's interesting because that's like you know that's where like my limiting beliefs come in is i'm like i just hired another person why i shouldn't be i'm not in a position to hire another person to help me and then I have to be like yeah but did you what could you do with that five hours of time oh instead it's just a while it's a it's it's a trip like thinking about all the ways that you're failing in a positive way like I I never really look at it and feel terrible about myself I just look at it and laugh and go like wow I suck at that thing (laughs) how much better would things run if I didn't suck at that thing yeah and and if I may, I know I just commented that Alexandra is one of the wisest entrepreneurs that I know. You are too, Aislin. And what I think is one of your special, unique gifts is that you like your skills in business development and the way in which you like manifest shit quickly. I've never seen someone do that better than you do. And so I guess I'm just shining the light or mirroring back to you, the part of you that needs to be in that role more and not sweeping your fucking floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also like wondering what the avoidance is like, you know, I think what I've noticed is that you are one of those artists who creates and then does not like other people telling you kind of what to do. And so I wonder (laughs) if putting the timeline around it kind of was just like, fuck this. Like the rebel. No, I think there's something to that. Like, I think we have these, I definitely have like a rebel archetype inside of me that as soon as someone's putting like a container around something for me, it's it's subconscious, I think, where it's like, I do shit my own way. Like, let your buddy lead. <laughs> you yeah, know? Like, yeah. Um, so I wonder if there's something to that. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's honestly always struggling between like playing big and then like being grounded. And so sometimes I think like I argue with myself in my head of like, I don't want to be that type of business owner that like doesn't sweep the floor because like she should be doing other things with her time. But then I literally hear myself say it out loud and I'm like, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you called yourself out before you even shared this example around your limiting beliefs. So anyway, we can work on that later. Great. <laughs> yeah. I think that like sweeping the floor, when I think about sweeping the floor, like I don't mind sweeping the floor, but I got like a robotic vacuum. That was what I get because it's cheaper than having somebody like sweep the floor for me. Yeah, that's what Rachel did. Yeah, it's also not me sweeping the floor. And then I got the mop one like two (gasps) weeks later because what? There's a mop version, an AI robot mop. Yeah, and and it takes like a long time to like do it all, but it's like moves slowly. 
And so when I think about those sorts of things, I like often think of like, okay, if I don't want to be the business owner that like um, has other people sweep my floor, but I also don't really have the time or capacity to sweep the floor, what can I do to like, yeah, what are right, the other right. options? Well, I think creating a system is one of the options. Like you can either hire someone to do something or automate a system that makes it more streamlined that, you know, makes your life easier and more efficient. Right. And there's more than one way to fill a bathtub. So it's just like, this is a PB&J quote. Yeah, I love that. It's my favorite because like, there's so many ways to fill a bathtub. Um, some are more efficient than others, um, but it's about what you want to choose. Right. And what is going to work best for you. It doesn't have to work best for the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's there's many ways to clean a bathtub, too. After this is a bit of a side note, but after Aislinn guided us through bath bomb making at Christmas time, which for you listener, Aislinn's first business was called AZ Cakes. And it was a (laughs) bath bomb business that had these like intricate cake shaped bath bombs. I wasn't part of Aislinn's life at that part of her journey but but we got to benefit from like bath bomb making which i think is a delight and realizing how much of a mess they make sometimes <laughs> anyway i don't want to spend my time cleaning my bathtub either i'd rather be repeating my business yeah there's these robotic no washers you can get that like i feel would be the size of the bathtub and the shower too yeah yeah you know and like circling back to we talked about this at the start where you're like i'm not gonna have a personal chef like come on I think there's something about, and maybe also what you said about knowing your why and having clarity on your value system and and that directs actions. It's like, same, like I love cooking and cooking for me fills my cup after a long day. It helps to clear other people's energy out of my system after like coaching all day. And like, that's something that I love, but the mess in my house is a total energy leak and to pay someone to clean my house, like, of course, you know, or, or to get the robotic vacuum or whatever. Right. It's like, it can be different things for different people. And I think that's an important thing to always keep in mind when you're running a business or when you're reading, we should all be millionaires and, and like taking in someone else's wisdom. And I think you just kind of indirectly named something um, around, like when you have those moments where it's just like, I'm not going to do that. Is like looking at why, because like there might be a limiting belief or there might be a truth. Yeah. And I mean, even limiting beliefs, I think are linked to values. Totally. And so like looking at like how the the underneath story is matching the like, you know, grass up top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, it is interesting because I think we're socialized too, as women to, to want to do it all. And I have never really um, prescribed to that. Like I've never really felt like I'm that type of person, but I actually do it all the time. And I think that, you know, in, in the book, Rachel talks about how important it is to have like your crew that kind of are going through the same thing and lift you up and we're all going to be millionaires together. And I think that, you know, if I didn't know you, Casey, I wouldn't, I would feel so bad about how often I order groceries delivered to my door. Oh, except I order groceries delivered to my door every week and have just accepted that that's part of the name of the game. Exactly. And like last, so I kind of fell out of it for a while because it's like, I'm, it's, you know, there's like a markup on it and like, it's just so indulgent. And then this, this last week I was working like, not that I would advise this, but lots of late nights doing this largest proposal I have ever done for my business. And I literally felt so bad about having to order groceries twice that week. And all of a sudden I was like, the choices are work on this proposal that will be the largest amount of money I've ever made in one single job. Yeah, like, or share what amount of money it is? It's over 100k exactly and that's huge for and what's me what's the markup on your groceries exactly two like times maybe two, you will maybe 12 dollars. exactly yeah and so i stopped myself and was like just order the groceries and stop feeling bad you know this is so interesting um you said the word indulgence and like my husband wally has like a way different idea like of what an indulgence would be like an indulgence for wally would be like three thousand dollars and so like when I, I bought this sweater, it was like $300 and I was like, oh, so, I was just like, oh my gosh, uh, this is like an indulgence. Like I probably didn't need it, but I like wanted it so much. And Wally came home and was just like, oh, you wanted this sweater for ages. What took you so long to buy it? Because he doesn't think of it the same way. And I think that like when we, when we stop like limiting ourselves with like terms like, oh, this is too indulgent or like too, like it, it just, 
It's so much better. Yeah. I'm going to buy the other sweater that says David Bowie on it. And I, I hope you do. And I am looking at the sweater and I'm like, I'm going to look up that website and buy myself a sweater, a sweater like this. Let me know and we'll share shipping. Yes. Yeah. And then when we come together for our, our monthly don't fuck with us meetings, yes. we'll all have matching sweaters and talk about cash flow. Oh, right. Yes. This is another last point, I promise. Um, the thing I was thinking about too is when she was talking about like your crew, um, like I have had a year where it's like becoming a new crew and I had to really look when she read, but when she said that, I was like, oh, I wonder how many people I am keeping at a distance because they use language that is reflective of making more money and like angled in a very different way than I am. Like how, how am I keeping people distant that could actually be like really empowering and like push me further, not just in my real life, but on my online life. Mm. Um, and that was a game changer too, because like, I, it, I think it changed over like a month who I was talking to on a daily basis and in a really good way. Wow. Wow. Who did you choose to talk to on a daily basis? Well, I mean, before I was like talking to a lot of people who were just, um, it's not that they were draining. They were just living different lives than what I was. Yeah. And now I'm talking to like more people who have businesses like mine, who are encountering similar problems, who are wanting to achieve their goals and like going after it and very like, strategic ways yeah um and i like wouldn't say that they're at like friendly wise skeptic or like advisor levels but we're friends and we're working towards similar goals and like sharing kind of insights on how to get there yeah totally i resonate with that i i have always since the very beginning invested a lot in my business like i i remember when i first launched worthy and well I hired a $5,000 business coach and it was like really early on. I didn't, I didn't mess around with like trying to figure a bunch of shit out on my own when there was this person who like, I was like, Oh, I resonate with this person. I, they're adding tons of value. Like, let's do it. I haven't struggled with like investing in my business, probably not until I hit the like six figure mark. And then I feel like a lot of things shifted for me when I kind of hit that mark and then up leveling from there started to feel like where the challenges really came in for me. But um, so I've always invested in either one-on-one coaches. I've invested in group masterminds. I've invested in trainings, courses. Uh, I've learned a ton and I've had moments where I've like beat myself up for quote, spending too much. And, and now when I really like stand in my power around it, it's like, those were the best investments I ever made. And I sucked every little bit out of it. And now I'm in a space where the type of support I'm needing is different and is more peer to peer. Like I still do. I have a coach that I'm working with for all of 2022. Um, I think as a coach myself, I can't see my own stuff and I need to like practice what I preach, but I have this like small pod of other other coaches where we're supporting each other and we're all quite different and it's and also similar. And so it's really useful there. And then, you know, the three of us, we have yeah. like mm-hmm. our kind of peer to peer. And then we have Play Big and Jam, which is broader. And I think maybe more more wide in, in who comes to P- PB&J. That's the acronym for Play Big and Jam. And like, that's a support system. And then I have my like gym buddies that I work out with, you know, like, it's like, it's nice to have these pods that are peer to peer that feel like there's a reciprocity at play. Right. And a shared goal. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like you, you, yeah, you need different, there's different needs for each kind of group. I have like one of my clients and friends was advising me on this big proposal because she does proposals of that level all the time. And she literally sent me one of her proposals so that I could model what she had done. And I was like, wow, that is so valuable. Yeah. And like this week I dealt with needing to ask a former client if he was thinking of taking his own life. And that was fucking hard, you know, and it brought up a bunch. And then I sat down with a therapist friend and they, you know, we had a lot of conversation about it, but they also offered me exact language around confidentiality that I should nuance in my agreements that say, of course, like if you're at risk of harming yourself, this is broken, you know? And it's like, oh, I I missed some of these steps. And it's like, we need each other. We need um, a network of professionals and referral partners. And what would happen if we brought each other into our offers even and our programs? How much more value could we add for clients if we collaborated rather than competed? Right. Competed? Is yeah. that a word? Yeah. yeah, I think you got it. Yeah. 
And that's part of it. Like I, I probably texted Aislinn like five times this week about different things that we were working on and like yeah. working around just like around design, around like, you know, Shopify, stuff like that. Yeah. And then I send people to her or Mackenzie. Yes. Yeah. Her all the time. Yeah. Even sometimes wrong fit people. Uh, <laughs> but you got to trust someone else's yeah, family. I love right. it all. And like, it is also up to like other people to decide if it's their right fit for them. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. It goes back to due diligence. Do your due diligence. Totally. Yeah. You're a master at that. No, I'm not. No, I'm not even close. <laughs> I make so many mistakes, but I like, I have confidence in my ability to ask enough people the questions that like, I will fall within the affordable loss territory. I won't make something that, well, not but I will make something that just like, you know, ends my business. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. as long as mistakes are in that zone of like, it's okay, um, you're not, you're not really risking that much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we should all be millionaires. Final words about this book as we wrap up. I signed up for her newsletter. Um, me too. Yeah. So I'm going to see how that goes. Yeah, me too. And, and did the assessment kind of where you're at in business. And I thought that was just like my marketing brain is like, ooh, that was well done, you know, as a as part of her funnel into her programs, but also added a lot of value. Yeah, I think that um, my takeaway, which is kind of interesting because I'm also doing something totally opposite from that, but it was about um, less offerings mm. um, and kind of like focusing on the one offering. Um, and I guess, I guess I have done that, but what I've done is broken it down into, into different parts that are helpful for different people at different phases of business instead of being like, you know, we do social media and marketing and this or this, which I've considered many times. Now I have kind of like the same offering broken up in different ways, Yeah, um, which is, which is, you know, largely because of the book. Mm. Love it. Thank you two so much for joining me today. This was so fun. Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this great conversation. What is one thing that you took away from our conversation? Or if you've read the book, We Should All Be Millionaires, I'd definitely love to hear your perspective on what really stood out to you there. Email info at worthyandwell.com. You can also ping us on social media at worthyandwell. And I'll make sure that Aislinn and Alexandra's info. Their deets are in the show notes below, so be sure to check them out there. But I'd love to hear from you. What one thing did you take away? What are you actioning on or what are you thinking differently about based on this conversation? Finally, if you've been loving the Purpose Map podcast and you've been joining us maybe week to week and getting value from it, I would love it if you would rate and review the podcast. Um, you know, a nice five-star review is is always beautiful and helps us to get found by more people just like you. So greatly appreciate you taking the time to do that. And I can't wait to chat with you next week. Take really good care. Bye for now. <laughs>